0: Thanksgiving is over, and Advent is here, which means that every other radio station is now playing Christmas music, and by the time Jesus arrives, you'll already be sick of hearing about him. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a problem. But, you know, the thing about Christmas music, I mean, it brings to mind all these images that we have of the gospel stories, you know, Star of Bethlehem, choirs of angels, baby in the manger, sheep, kings, you know, shepherds the baby Jesus, and, you know, people, why, it, it seems like these, you know, Christmas music is starting earlier and ev- earlier every year, um, in one way I think it's a reflection of the emptiness uh, and then the poverty of our culture, that there's something good about Christmas that we're grasping at, and so we, we sort of have to fill the void earlier and earlier. It's always about jumping to the next holiday, and by the time it's there, kind of sick of it, you know. And I think our readings today take a different tact. You know, Advent is not a time where we sort of just have like all of the Christmas stories over and over again, all of the nice imagery, that sort of thing. It sounds a lot, actually, listening to the readings, it sounds a lot more like Ash Wednesday than we might think of Christmas Day. All the stuff about the end of the world and repentance. You know, if you look at the first reading. What is it? Well, everybody goes to church in Jerusalem. And the second reading, shape up sinners, the end is coming. And the gospel, the end is really coming. So you better really shape up. Could be here at any moment. Those are those are readings to prepare us for the coming of Jesus Christ as a baby. Why all this stuff about the end of the world? In a way, I think it's. Uh, appropriate, for, for two reasons. First of all, because to really prepare for the extraordinary reality of Christ coming into the world, you have to first be grounded in reality, ordinary reality, and the ordinary reality of life is death, and we don't know when the end is coming, and things happen you know, rather suddenly. Um, I remember last, last Christmas, probably I think on December 18th, uh, this was, you know, a week before Christmas, um, I got word in one day that a, a former student of mine had died, and then an hour and a half later I found out my cousin had died, he was 38 years old. Two hours. And, and that's, that's the reality of life, that we don't know the end, you know, and that, yes, we're looking forward to Christmas, but I ended up, up bearing my cousin right before the fourth Sunday of Advent. And, and that's, that's the world we live in. And so it's appropriate that, that to appreciate the, the coming of the Savior of mankind for that word Savior or Redeemer uh, to mean anything. There has to be a reality that he's saving us from. Otherwise, well, what, is it, what does salvation mean? What is, how are we saved? So I think these readings are appropriate because they ground us in reality. The second thing they do is they prepare us for the extraordinary reality of Jesus Christ coming into the world. And what does that mean? How does it prepare us for the coming of the baby Jesus? Jesus. And I think what they're doing is they're trying to prepare us morally for the coming of the king. You know, this, this, um, this reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, you know, it, it's the inspired word of God, but the, the realities in human history, not all the inspired words of God are equally well-known and equally significant. And this passage is actually quite significant in the history of the world, because it's this passage from Romans that led to the conversion of St. Augustine. You know, so St. Augustine had a, a two-part conversion. The first part was intellectual, that you know, grew up studying pagan philosophers and all that, and eventually, after studying Christianity, um, came to believe the belief that it was true. And, and intellectually came to see, yeah, I think the Catholic faith is right. But That was not a full conversion, because even after he was convinced that it was right and this is how I should live my life, he couldn't do it. You know, still had the the live-in girlfriend and, you know, knew what the right thing to do was, but couldn't couldn't muster up the courage to do it and couldn't even muster up the courage to pray for it. You know, his famous prayer is, Lord, give me chastity, but not today. (sighs) Tomorrow, manana, you know? Uh, And... You know, so, so he struggled with this for a long time. For a long time. And there's this famous incident that he recounts in his conversion. He's hanging out with a friend of his, and he's in the midst of this, like, interior turmoil, you know, wanting to do the right thing, but not being able to. And so he, he tells his friend, you know, wait here. They're in an orchard or something. And he says, wait here. I'm going to go off in a distance. And he goes, and he face plants under a pear tree, in this orchard, and he starts praying to God. And as he's lying there praying, he hears this little voice, like a child's voice, that, has, that says, pick up and read, pick up and read. It's like, that's weird. He says, pick up and read, pick up and read. So he gets up and he goes back to his friend, who has the scripture with him, a, a copy of the letter to the Romans, the New Testament. And he, he grabs the New Testament and he opens it, and it comes on this line, um, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in promiscuity and lust, not in rivalry and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. He says instantly he was freed from these chains of lust, that he, that he accepted God's will and that he was able, in hearing God's word and in hearing it speak to him, He was able to let go of his past and let go of all the things that bound him. And so he received in his own soul the reality of Jesus Christ, the reality of of his salvation. Even though Jesus had come, you know, 350 years before, Jesus had come to earth, but he had not yet been welcomed into the heart of St. Augustine. And when he read these words, that's what unlocked the door. And so I think that's part of the reason why the, the, the church includes this reading and thinks it a fitting reason reading to prepare us for the coming of Jesus. That our hearts too might be open, that we might we might be ready to leave our past behind and welcome something new. And you know, there's something of this, of this earthly reality that, that Paul's letter to the Romans calls us to leave behind you know, orgies and drunkenness, promiscuity and lust, rivalry and jealousy. It's this whole way of seeing the world that is very earthly. And there's no way that our hearts will be prepared to see Jesus in the manger if we see the world through these sins, if we think these sins tell us the truth about what's valuable. Because the sight of Bethlehem is not much to behold. I mean, except for the choirs of angels. Everything else, in a way, is pretty ordinary. You know, you have this poor family giving birth to this poor kid in a place they don't know real well and in conditions that are not hospitable. I mean, you know, that happens to millions of people every year on earth. It's not a rare thing condition or sight if you you get on a plane fly somewhere you know you can find that all over the world and if we're going to see the reality the remarkable reality of Bethlehem we've got to let go of seeing it through the lens of these sins that bind our heart or any sin that's the thing all sin distorts our sight and it doesn't let us see The beauty of the scene can only be seen in the light of faith. So I want to leave you with the words of a very converted St. Augustine thinking about Christmas. Thinking about what, what does that mean? What does that baby in the manger mean? What does the life of Jesus mean for me? Here's what he says. Man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that the truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the fountain, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die.